So we've been, I want to share with you something from the Word of God. It's something that we do every Sunday because we love God's Word. It's, it's what feeds us. It, it's what gives us really life. And we've been in a message series called Peace on Earth because we believe in this. We believe that uh, there is a purpose of God in bringing peace on earth. And Christmas is a time of peace. I don't know if all of you would define yourselves as churchgoers, people that usually go to church or every Sunday or every Wednesday or at that time, but I know that for a lot of people, they purposefully choose to come to church uh, close to the Christmas season. And if that's your case, I want to congratulate you because it was a really good decision. It's a very important season of the year, and it's very important that we think about the, what is the cause of this season, what, what makes this season so, so special. And that's why we chose to speak about peace on earth. Because um, as pastors, Gabby and I, we meet a lot of people, and we speak with a lot of people. And I come into a very recent conclusion in my life, and that I believe that led me to uh, this message series that we're in. I think it's very rare, it's really rare to find people who are at peace. If you think about it, it's very rare when you meet someone, the people that you know, to define that this is someone that lives at peace. We can find very easily people that are active, people that are busy, people that are stressed, people that are tired, people that are ambitious, but not totally at peace with God. People that are not at peace with their spouse, people that are not at peace in their workplace or peace with others. That's why Christmas is so important, because it gives us the opportunity to think about this beautiful gift of peace that the Bible says it's something that Jesus came to give us. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 9, a child has been born for us and God has given us a son. He will be called the Prince of Peace. So that's who Jesus is. And in John 14, this is words that Jesus said about himself. I am giving you the gift of peace, the kind of peace that only I can give. It isn't like the peace that this world gives. So if you want to know how to have peace in your life, all roads lead to Jesus. There is no pill. There is no book. There is anyone else who can give you peace. And Jesus says he doesn't give peace like the world gives. What kind of peace does the world give? It's a fake kind of peace. It's a temporary kind of peace. It doesn't last. If we look at history, we can analyze how many peace treaties the countries have done among each other and how many have lasted. Not that many. Pedro, right in the first message about, um, about this message series, he spoke about the meaning of the word peace in Hebrew, the language of the Old Testament. And the word is shalom. It means to make complete or restore. And for this message, I've went through um, 
many verses of the Bible. And what, how does the Bible talk about peace? And uh, I believe it's 790 verses. I didn't go through all of them. I promise I didn't have time to do that throughout this week. But I saw what the Bible has to say about peace, and I came across this study that says there are at least three areas of peace that the Bible talks about. Three areas of peace that Jesus came to give us as human beings. The first one is peace with God. The first one is peace with God, and it's the same as spiritual peace. It's the same as eternal peace when we find it in the Bible. And the Bible, the way that explains it, is that this is the most important kind of peace. Have you ever found yourself in conflict with someone that you love deeply? Okay, only I have. No. Sometimes we're in conflict with someone that we love deeply. It can be a spouse, it can be our parents, it can be a sibling, and... Uh, or, or very, uh, a really good friend of ours. And what happens when we are in that kind of conflict? It's like nothing else in life matters. Because the most important relationship that we have is affecting us. Something is not right. And the way that the Bible talks about our relationship with God is essentially the exact same way. If our relationship with God is not right... If it's not working, if there's something that is stopping it from working properly, it affects every other area of our lives. If we don't have peace with God, we won't be able, we won't be able to live in true peace. And when we're not in peace with God, it's like he's not there. It's like we don't know what God is thinking. We don't know what God is speaking. We don't know how are we supposed to think about the situations that we live right now. That is what it looks like to not live in peace with God. It also happens every time that we make our own decisions and we think that we are masters of our destiny. That we are masters of our lives. We do what we feel is best. That is a way that we do not live with peace with God. So how do we connect with God and how do we have peace with him? The word of God says in 2 Corinthians, God sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. God sent Christ to make peace between himself and us. That's the reason why Jesus came to make peace. God took the initiative. When we were far away, when we were not in a good relationship with God, the most important relationship that you and I can be in our lives, he took initiative because he saw us go the wrong road. And in Romans said, says, even though we were his enemies, God make peace with us because his son died for our sins. Now that we are at peace with God, we will be saved for eternity by his son's life. There is nothing more important than living in peace with God. And something that these verses tell us straight away is that peace with God doesn't come from what we do. It comes from what Jesus did. And the Bible says that Jesus died for our sins. 
When he was nailed on the cross, he took the penalty for our sins. He took all, all our wrongdoings so that you and I, when we embrace Jesus, when we accept Jesus, when we look at Jesus in the manger, but also at the cross, we understand that he is the Savior of the world, that he was the one that came so that we can be in peace with God. If you've studied a, a little bit of anthropology, a little bit of other religions, you will see that many religions have this concept of peace offering. A peace offering to a God, to a deity, so that you kind of please them, so that you will be forgiven, so that you will, will be blessed. Well, there's something true about that, but it's, there's something that is wrong about that too. Is that while, yes, for us to be in peace with God, there needs to be something or someone that makes our relationship with God right. But what the Bible says is that that peace offering is not something that you and I can give. It's something that only Jesus could give. And the Bible says that Jesus gave that peace offering once and for all when he gave his life in order to save us. Jesus died on the cross for us. So when the wise men of Christmas, they gave baby Jesus gold, frankincense, and myrrh, myrrh was this very expensive embalming spice to use when someone passed away. So right from the beginning, God had revealed that this baby was going to be a very special person, that he was royalty, that he was sent by God, but also that the purpose of his life was to be given so that you and I could live in peace with God. Peace in the Bible also means peace within me. This is emotional peace. This is the fact that we are able to live with ourselves. The Bible also calls this the peace of God. When I have peace with God, I'm able to live uh, with peace of God within me. The Bible says in Colossians, let the peace of God rule in your heart. In means inside of you. Means internal. It means emotional. And I know that maybe during this Christmas season, there are a lot of things in your mind, a lot of things in your heart, and many of those things have the potential to take away your peace and my peace. But when the Bible speaks about the peace of God, that is a gift from God to us, it means that there is a peace for every one of your problems. God has a peace for every one of your problems. It's possible for us to have the peace of God to rule inside our hearts in any circumstances that we face. If you're grieving, the peace of God means comfort in the middle of that. If you are suffering, the peace of God means th that kind of love that covers all shame and covers all, covers all fears. The peace of God in the middle of turmoil when you don't know if you're going to have enough money to make it that month, the peace of God is provision that God always is always faithful to you. Whatever it is that you feel, if it's lost, if it feels that 
You are ashamed. It feels you're unworthy. The peace of God is what allows you to see the world and see your life the way that God sees it. When we live in peace with God, we can enjoy his peace within us. And the other aspect of peace is peace with others. Now, this is a tough one. This is relational peace. This is the peace that it's really beautiful to see this time of the year. Because all of a sudden, we all speak about joy, about peace, about love. And it's wonderful. I love Christmas because of that. In fact, in the First World War, right in the beginning, in the first Christmas, uh, around 100,000 British and German troops, they stopped. There was a ceasefire, just an abrupt ceasefire, because they decided to celebrate Christmas. And one of the sides started to sing Christmas carols. And the other side started to, to sing other Christmas carols. And all of a sudden, they were meeting in the middle and exchanging gifts and exchanging uh, alcohol, exchanging tobacco, exchanging buttons and different things. And all of a sudden, there was peace. Christmas is able to do that. Unfortunately, it doesn't last very long. Because if we live for the season, this kind of peace, this relational peace is going to end very soon. So how can we live in peace with others? If we grow closer to God, we're able to grow closer to others. The more we are further away from God, the more it messes up our relationship with other people. We just get cranky. There's something that is not going to work. And all comes from the fact that we are not living in peace with God. And I don't know what is your perception, but I think that the world isn't getting, getting any more peaceful than it was three years ago or six years ago. It's just not happening. So what does the Bible say about unity? What does the Bible say about us living in peace with each other? And we come to the fact that the Bible says, and it's the Word of God, the Word of God only gives us one way. There is only one way so that we can experience true peace in our relationships. And that is when we are unified as children of God. The Bible says in Ephesians, Christ brought us all together through his death on the cross. The cross gets us to embrace each other and end the hostility between different groups. It's Jesus who brings an end to hostility. Jesus is the only one that is the Prince of Peace. And when the Prince of Peace reigns in our hearts, we will be able to live in peace with each other. The Bible continues saying that in Christ's family, there is no division between Jew and Gentile, slave or free, or even male and female. In Christ, we're all equal and the same. We're all in a common relationship with Jesus. Think about that, a common relationship in Jesus. Jesus is the great equalizer. Jesus is the only one that is able to take down every single thing that creates dissension between people. 
Jesus is the only one that can help us surpass every issue that we have with nationalities, with gender, with economic status. Whatever it is that brings division between people, Jesus is the answer. This is what the Bible says. And we do our part when we live in peace with God, when we have the peace of God within us, and then we will be able to live in peace with other people. It's all only possible because of him. So these three kinds of peace, they build on each other. It's only possible to have peace with each other when we are in a good relationship with God and we experience peace with him. And according to God, things don't work any other way. Now, even in this season, I'm speaking with people that are thinking about divorce. I'm speaking with people that are going through such hardship that they do not understand how can they live with peace within themselves. How can we fix that? How can we fix the problems that, that come with relationships in that inner peace that simply doesn't exist? It all comes down to living in peace with God. Now, I don't know if you had a good year or a bad year. Maybe you're feeling tired, just worn out because it was a tough year. And if that's the case, I'm very happy that you're here. I'm honestly very happy that you're here because I believe that what God wants to speak to us this morning has the potential to help you change your life. I believe that you can live, start living your life with the peace of God inside of you. I believe that you will be able to live in peace with God himself. And that is going to affect and change your life. And the way that you live, the way that you feel about yourself, and your relationship with other people. If God's peace is such a wonderful gift, so how can we apply it into our lives? And last week we saw how three wise women of Christmas in the Christmas story, they live with peace. And how they chose to trust God with their problems. And today I want to share with you some steps that we learned from the Christmas story. The changes, the things that need to happen in our lives in order for us to experience peace inside of us and peace on earth. And the first one is that we must experience a moment of clarity. We all need a life-changing experience that allows us to see life differently. Nothing really happens when everything is just the same old, same old. If nothing happens in our lives, we don't change. But you will be the first one to agree with me that when we go through some things in our lives, when we have certain experience in our lives, we change. We start seeing things in a different way. We start giving uh, the right amount of importance to things and other things that we thought it were so important, all of a sudden they have no importance whatsoever. And when that happens, when we have those experiences, I believe that God becomes clearer. We start seeing God how he really is and not how we imagine God to be. We start seeing ourselves better. We understand ourselves better. We get a hold on our problems, our past, our present, and our future. 
Moments when we, we are finally able to understand why our parents treated us in a certain way. Why our co-workers are treating us in a certain way. In those moments, something shifts in us. And we're able to see things like we didn't, were able to see before. And nothing really happens until we have these moments of clarity. Why am I speaking to you about this? Because this happened in the Christmas story. Joseph's moment of clarity came in a dream. He was so confused, he didn't know what to do. He had a dream, an angel spoke to him. And from that dream onward, he was able to understand and see what God was doing in his life. Mary had a moment of clarity when the angel showed to her and explained the things that God was doing in her life. For the wise men of Christmas, that moment of clarity came when they were contemplating nature, when they were looking at the sky, and they saw this huge star. And they said, this makes sense. We know now something that God is doing. The shepherds got it when they had that miraculous visit from the angels. For Elizabeth, her moment of clarity came when... Um, in the friendship that she had with Mary, when Mary walked through the door, all of a sudden, Elizabeth got it. And it can happen through our relationship and our friendships with one another. The moment something happens, it changes everything. And we need those moments of clarity in our lives. Sometimes we can have them in the service like this, and that's why we love to be together on a Sunday morning. But it can also be when we're reading our Bibles at home or praying alone, when we experience a miracle from the Lord, or when we're walking and contemplating nature. Because nothing is going to happen unless we give God time for us to have those experiences with Him. Paul prays that we have these experiences with God. In Ephesians 1.18, it says, I pray that your heart will be flooded with light so that you can see something of the future that God has called you to share. We cannot have these moments of clarity without the help of God. Our purpose can only be found in God. God is our creator. He was the one that created us and gives us life on a daily basis. He is the one that can help us. And in Luke 11, the Bible says, Make sure that the light you think you have is not really darkness. So what does this mean? It means that we have such a good ability to lie to ourselves. And by good, I don't, I don't mean good. I mean it's a very accurate, a very strong way to do it. The living in denial is the opposite of living in clarity. And so many people live in denial. Even a lot of Christians live in denial. People tell themselves that things are great, when they're not. People tell themselves that things are terribly bad when they're actually not that bad. When living without peace becomes normal, people don't know what they're missing. And that's how denial comes in. But the fact is, you and I, we weren't created for normal. We weren't even created just for good. We were created for something greater. We were created for someone better. 
We were created to live with God, and God promises abundant life. So if you've been living in denial, if you've been telling yourself that everything's okay, it's just the way that it is, you just need a push, you just need a push, and things will, will eventually be better. You're, you're, deni- you're living in denial when you're putting down those feelings that says you need to fix this. There's something that's still missing because you're not living in peace with God. Jesus has called us to live an abundant life that is not compatible with living in denial. The second attitude that we need to live in God's peace, first we must experience a moment of clarity and then I must express an attitude of humility. Humility is the pathway to peace. Pride is the pathway to conflict. Whenever you see conflict, it's always, always a matter of ego. It's always a matter of pride. And the Bible says in James chapter 4 that God opposes the prideful but gives peace to those who are humble. God opposes the prideful, but he gives peace. Again, it's a gift. How, do, how can we reach it? How can we receive it? By taking a posture of humility. I've been walking with Jesus for quite a while now, and I've learned a few things. And one of them is that God is not moved by my whining. God is not moved by my complaining. God is not moved by my stubbornness. God is moved when I humbly recognize that I can't do it. God moves when I humbly come before him and I ask for his help. When I ask for his plan, when I ask for his guidance, when I recognize that he is God and I am not. Isaiah 26 says, Lord, grant us peace for all we have and all we are has come from you. This is being humble. When was the last time that you had this conversation with God? When was the last time that you told God, God, everything I have, everything I am, it comes from you. I'm not in charge of this. I actually don't even know how you've done every single thing that you've done in my life. God, I need you. God, I need your help for this problem now the same way that you helped me in my past problems. You are the same God. When was the last time? Not that you simply ask God for help, but you ask God for help with an attitude of humility. We need to be able to express that. As we end this year, some of you are thinking Christmas is not a happy time for me. And I believe that some of you are barely, barely hanging on. 
But I want you to remember this, that in dark days, God promises us that we're able to live with his peace. How can we do that? Let's read this verse together. In Philippians chapter 4. It says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about anything. Do you know that this is the hardest commandment in the whole Bible? It's not do not murder. It's not love your enemies. It's don't worry about anything. It's the hardest commandment in the whole Bible. Because God knows how we work. He knows how we think. He knows how we feel through our problems. The moment that we face a problem, we have two options. Or we worry, or we worship God. We can't, we're not able to do both of them at the same time. Or we worry, or we worship. Or we panic, or we pray. Because those two are not compatible with each other. Or we trust God. And last week, everything that we spoke about was about trusting God. Or we choose to trust God, or we choose not to. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Trust in God. Bring Him everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him. If you do this, you will experience God's peace. If you come to God, if you thank Him for the things that you need to thank Him for, if you come to Him with honesty, with an open heart, if we seek Him with everything we have, if we are honest before God, how many times we pray to God and we're not honest? How many times we pray the things that are beautiful, the same things that we say all the time, and we're not coming to God with honest hearts. We're not bringing God the things that are not working, the things that are the real issue. And if we are honest, if we are personal, if we thank God for what we need to thank Him for, we will be able to experience God's peace, which is far greater than the human mind can understand. God's peace will guard your, hearts, your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. It means that there will be no possible logical, salute, uh, logical reason that you should live in peace. God's peace doesn't come in natural ways. It comes in supernatural ways. It means that we, will not, we do not seek our circumstances to change. We seek God to change our hearts within. That is the fact of the kind of peace that God came to bring us. It's not based on circumstances. It's not based in anything that we experience. So we must have a moment of clarity. We must express an attitude of humility. And lastly, we must expect Jesus to help us. I know that we need faith for all of the above. And at the end, this is a church. What we speak of is faith. None of us had, have seen God, I believe. But many of us are in a personal relationship with a God that we haven't seen. But we know deep down we have experienced that He not only exists, but He loves us and cares for us deeply. 
So in everything that we're talking about, in order to experience clarity, in order to experience humility, we need to apply faith to it. Because we are talking about a God that we are not able to see, but the last word that I want to bring you is trust. And in order for us to trust God, faith just becomes even bigger. Faith needs to be major in our lives. We need to be able to believe that God, that Jesus, is able to take care of us. If I ask you to define your faith this morning, it would just be with this question, do you trust that Jesus is able to take care of you? Do you trust that Jesus is able to carry you? Jesus said in Matthew, Come to me, all of you who are tired and worn out from carrying heavy loads, and I will give you more work to do. Isn't it how we feel many times? Oh, and now I need to go pray, and now I need to go read my Bible, and I feel bummed, and I feel down, and things are not working out, and now I, I need to go and do this in order to feel better, and now I need to do this and that. And so many times we make our relationship with God about something that we need to do extra on top of everything else. We think that Jesus will have, make us do something even more. And something unreasonable even. Something that will make us even more tired, more worn out. But no. Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. Rest. You'll cup with me and learn from me for I am gentle and humble and you'll find peace and rest for your soul. Jesus came to give us soul peace. Jesus came to give us soul rest, which is deeper than physical peace. Our problem is not overloaded muscles. In fact, I should have worked out even more because my muscles are not overloaded in any way. And some of you also do, so don't look at me that way. I know that you also needed to work out a little bit more. But that's not our problem. It's not physical. It's spiritual. Our hearts are overloaded. Our minds are overloaded. Our egos are overloaded. We need rest from guilt. We need rest from fear. We need rest from making the wrong decisions all the time. And no one is able to give us peace and rest except for Jesus. He says, come to me. Jesus didn't say, go, go there or go to someone else. So many people throughout Jesus' ministry, so many people came to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. Some people were expecting and asking Jesus for a miracle. Some were asking Jesus for wisdom. Some were just looking for a really good story for, to tell in bad time to their kids. Some had, had a question to ask Jesus. Some came for advice. Some came for salvation. And Jesus is saying, there is nothing wrong if you come to me for rest. And many times, we do all of the above. 
And we forget to come to Jesus for rest. It's okay to come to me for internal peace. Because nothing else, no one else is able to give it. And he says, yoke up with me. And a yoke is not, I'm not talk, we're not talking about eggs or recipes. Yoke is what you put on top of two animals for them to work the field together. And when that happens, it lightens the load. Because two are better than one. The point is not for us to carry everything by ourselves. A yoke is a symbol of partnership. The reason you and I are so stressed out is that we're trying to pull everything alone. We're trying to pull everything by ourselves. And Jesus says, I want you to share the load with me. And then pride kicks in. We think that our backs are stronger than God's, but they're not. We need to be yoked to Jesus. And maybe you have been yoking because we all need someone or something next to us. And maybe you've been using your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your relatives, your relatives' money. Maybe you've been yoking your life to something that is not Jesus, and that doesn't work in the long run. It doesn't work in the, sh in the medium run, and in the short run, you know that it's wrong, and it's not working. We need to be yoked to Jesus. And he says, learn from me. Learn from me. I am gentle and humble. If you're tired, and I've, I've, I felt tired, I think maybe three, four months ago, I really felt tired, and I went to Google, what do I need to give me a little bit more stamina? A little bit more endurance. And then you go to the pharmacy and you see all those posters and all those different pills and vitamins and all those things that they simply say, are you tired? Do you feel fatigued? Here's something that's going to give you more stamina, more endurance, more power and power. And that word comes and we really feel, yes, I'm going to buy this. This is going to change everything. Well, hopefully... If we eat right and if we drink right and if we do a few things right, we're going to feel a little bit more power, a little bit more energized. But that doesn't really affect what is within us. Jesus is not coming to us with words like stamina and endurance and saying, you can do it. More power to you. You can do that. No, Jesus is saying, come to me and learn because I am gentle and humble. Well, that doesn't make us feel very energized from the beginning, right? But it's the, true for, the truth for us to experience rest. Humility and gentleness are the opposites of arrogance and aggression. Arrogance is always pushing and assuming that I have to control everything. Aggression, because we don't want to wait. We don't want to pause. We want to do things how we believe are the right way. I want to invite the worship team to come, Renee and Ruben.
They're our worship team for today. And I want to ask you, this Christmas, are you tired of having no peace? If you will close your eyes with me for a little bit. And I know that you're hearing my voice, Reuben's voice. But if you can, understand that it is God who is asking you this question this morning. Aren't you tired of living with no peace? You were made for so much more. You were made for so much more. If you trust me, if you come to me, if you learn from me, if you surrender to me, if you embrace me, if you yoke yourself to me, I have peace to give you. I have peace that surpasses all understanding that other people say it doesn't make sense, but that's the kind of peace I came on earth to give you. This Christmas, my prayer is that you will be able to live in peace with God, with peace within, and in peace with everyone else. And I can assure you, this is the greatest gift of Christmas that you could ever receive. My friends, I know that some of you have been carrying heavy loads. And you've been trying. And you've been praying. You've been doing what you feel is possible. You, you've been doing what you've learned so far in your journey with God that that's what you need to do. But in that posture of clarity of humility, of trust. Simply do what Jesus said. Come to me. Come to me because I have peace to give you. It's nothing that we can do here on a Sunday morning. It's only something that the Spirit of God can do in your heart today. So let me pray for you and pray for me. Lord, we come before you as we are. We want to come with honesty, with clarity, recognizing the many ways that we have not been living in peace with you. The several ways that we haven't been living with peace inside of us, even though we want to say that we have, but the truth is and the fact is we're not. And Lord, only you know the way that it has affected our relationships, our patience with our family, with our friends, with the people that we love. Lord, we recognize that peace is a gift that comes from the Prince of Peace. 
Lord Jesus, we are coming to you for rest. A rest that many of us haven't experienced in a long, long time. We're tired, Lord. Lord, help us to confess and admit that we are tired and worn out. So, Lord, when, so when you come with your peace, we will be able to receive it. We will be able to find rest. Because, Lord Jesus, you are the one that is carrying all the weight. Your burden is light to us. Your yoke on us is light because your back is so much stronger than ours. Lord, we pray that everyone in this room, everyone listening to your word this morning, will be able to answer to you.